0: Good morning, and uh, it's good to see you all. And if you have a Bible, if you want to turn back to the passage that Matthew read, it's Esther chapter 8. And you might be wondering, you know, why are we doing this? We've been going through the book of Esther, an Old Testament book. The reason is that every word in the Old Testament is relative to the New Testament. Every word in the Bible is relative to you and I, because it's relative to life, to death, and salvation and salvation, the Messiah Jesus would come through the Jewish nation, and God protected that nation through all the trials and troubles of the world could bring. And the authorities that came against them one time they went into uh, Babylon as slaves. And then what happened is when the this is your history books, is well, you know. When the Medo-Persian Empire destroyed the Babylonian Empire, they took over the land that the Babylonians controlled. And when they took control of that land, one of their kings let the slaves, the Egyptian slaves, the Jewish people, go back to their own land and build their own city. But a lot of people stayed. You see, they sort of settled down. They'd been in captivity for so long, and when a degree of freedom came, they thought they'd stay in the land of Persia, and things went okay for a time. But then, when you come to the Book of Esther, God's people, the Jewish nation, the ones who would bring the Messiah to you and I, they were threatened. And they were threatened with annihilation. And we're going through the book of Esther. And we're chapter 8, so we've come quite a a way through it. So if you want to sort of catch up about how things have been going, just read through the book of Esther. And here's something to look for. See if you can find the name of the book of Esther. You can't. Because his name's not there. It's not mentioned. We don't know why. Maybe it's because these people are in captivity. Might have been, you know, dangerous for them to mention in the time of God. Particularly when the Babylonians were there. Now the Persians are there. Maybe they've just, you know, settled in to a lifestyle. But what we've been doing, we've been looking at God's people who were there. And we've been learning from them how they reacted through what has been a very difficult situation. We've seen the bravery of Esther, Queen Esther. We've seen the... Humility of Mordecai. We've seen the pride of Haman. We saw in chapter 7 how this man Haman had been exposed for the wicked, selfish man that he was. And the result being that he was, sounds a bit of gruesome, gruesomeness, but he was hanged on his own gallows. That's what happened to him. And this morning, we're going to see the results of the plea that Esther made to the king, to King Xerxes. You can read that in verse 3, chapter 7. Queen Esther, she went into the presence and took her a, a life in her hands to do this. And she said, I found If I found favour with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition and spare my people. This is my request. Let me live and spare my people. This was a brave and noble request from Esther. And part of that request, in order to do that, she identified with her own people because Esther was part of the Jewish people as well as Mordecai. So she identified with her people. Well, here's the question this morning. Will she stay faithful to God? Will she stay faithful to her people? Well, we're going to find out. But before we look at it, you might be saying, why does he say that? Why does it seem important that Esther stays faithful to God and her people? It's because, you know, the truth is it's so easy. It's so easy to identify with God and God's people and then let outside circumstances that come into our lives cause us to compromise our faith. Compromise our faith in a way that God's people are let down. If you know Christ as your Savior, if you're walking with Jesus, sometimes things will come into your life that will mean that you will step back a little bit from your faith. And the results of that might be that it will affect you. In fact, the result is it will affect you, but also it will have an effect on other people who are staying faithful. It might be me as an individual causes that situation. When people see how I live my life, is he staying faithful to God in God's way? It might be church leaders who then compromise their faith because of the situation they are in, because of the things that surround them, and they choose to compromise their faith. And that affects all the Christians. We read at the beginning of Esther chapter eight, that same day, this is the day that that wicked man, Haman, was exposed and taken out and hanged on his own gallows. King Xerxes gave Queen Esther the estate of Haman, the enemy of the Jews, and Mordecai came into the presence of the king, for Esther had told how he was related to her. And the king took off his ring. Which he reclaimed from Haman and presented it to Mordecai, and Esther appointed him, Mordecai over Haman's estate. Now, there's a little bit of history there. We will check this in the history. Books. On the Persian law of the day, at the death of a criminal, the property and the wealth of that person of that criminal would become the property of the crown so all the wealth and the property that Haman had was now the king's and we know that right in the beginning uh, he had a bit of a hard heart this king he's the one who uh, <laughs> did away with his first wife because she wouldn't do what he wanted her to do and we know by history the battles he fought and the way that he went up against the Greeks and things like that and, you know this man had a hard heart he was a king And he now came into all these possessions. But what did he do? He gave Amon's estate to Esther. That made her very wealthy. That made her not just a queen, but a woman in her own right. Oh, yeah. Pockets were filling. Wealth is coming in. Respect is coming in. She has a position. What was Esther's request let me live. And that request has been granted. Oh, she's got that. Let me live. Oh, she's okay. She's doing well. What about Mordecai? You know, we, we saw him at the king's gate dressed in sackcloth and ashes because of the fate that was coming upon his people. What about now? Well, the king's made him second in command. He's given him a signet ring, which gave him the regal power, and Esther gave him full control over what had been Haman's estate. They have wealth. They have power. They have position. Now, where's the danger? Will the pride that they now have put God's plans for his people's salvation to one side. They're doing alright, aren't they? That's part of what Esther has has been granted. She will live, and she'll live far better than she really expected to. She now has wealth. She now has power. She now has position. As does Mordecai. Do you think, girl, Start to compromise their faith? Do you think they'll start to settle down in what is their comfort zone? Good word, guys. It is good to have a comfort zone, you know. There's nothing wrong with a comfort zone. But when that comfort, comfort zone takes over your life, and if you are a Christian and you let that comfort zone take over your life to the point where you compromise your faith, and you twist God's words to make you feel better to make you fit in better well that doesn't happen does it go read your newspapers go and watch your television news go on the internet let's find out what the more decay on do you see Haman had written the law that on the 13th day of the 12th month The people, remember that day, the 13th day, the 12th month. The people of Persia were allowed to go out and kill their Jewish neighbors and then take all their property. This would have given rise to the start of a year, a year of persecution, a year of distrust and fear for the Jewish people. A year that was due to end for them in annihilation. And it was the law, it was the authorities who had said that this had to happen. The law was passed. Can you imagine, right throughout the whole of Persia, those people thinking, we've only got a year left. And on one day, when that day comes, we will be annihilated. And imagine the people who were thinking, oh, I'm not Jewish, this could be good for me. Quite fancy that business down the road. Quite fancy that big house on the hill. See what happened in here? Haman was dead. But the law could not be changed. Check your history books, it will tell you. Persian law could not be changed once it was authoritized, once it was written. You couldn't change it. There's no way. The king couldn't change it. Esther and Mordecai, with their position, their wealth and their power, they couldn't change it. They couldn't repeal that law. What will Esther do? Settle down to what has become an easy life? Or continue to petition on behalf of her people? Well, let's find out. You see, the real reason that Esther went to the king with that petition was to save her people. But I want you to think back and what you've already learned from the root of Esther. Because Esther, before she went to the king, to King Xerxes, with that position, you know where she went? She went to the king of kings. She went to the Lord of Lords. She went to God. And she's not looking towards King Xerxes to be able to actually do this. She's looking at God to be able to work through it and to deliver them because none of them can actually repeal that law; it's written, it's there. So, verse three to six. Esther again. She pleaded with the king, and notice how she does it—falling at his feet and we- weeping. She begged him to put an end to the evil plan that the Agagite, which he had devised against the Jews. Then the king extended the gold scepter to Esther. And she rose and stood before him. And what she said, she said, similar to what she said before. Notice said dignity. Notice her humility in this difficult situation. If it pleases the king, she said, and if he regards me with favour and thinks it the right thing to do, and if it's my name. let an order be written overruling the dispatch that Haman's son of. Amethyst, the appetite, devised and Lord. Notice that overruling the dispatch. They can't change it. But they're looking for a way. But God is guiding Esther. <coughs> How can I bear? This is Esther's heart. How can I bear to see disaster fall on my people? How can I bear to see the destruction of my family? What's happening here? This is Esther. Showing the, the love that she has for her people. She's pleading with the king. She's falling at his feet and she's weeping. I want us to stop for a moment. This morning I want us to let this action from Esther challenge us all. I want us to listen to the words of Jesus I want them to let him speak. Speak the words that he spoke to his disciples on that last supper before he went to the cross. He was going to leave them. It's going to be hard for them. You find this in John 13, verse thirty-four and 35. A new command, I give you, love one another. Now notice this, it's not just love one another. This is where we fall down. You know, people say, God loves us. And then we go away and love in the way that we think we should love. That's not what Jesus is saying here. God is a God of love, but love can mean so many different things to people. And it does, but people use that to justify things. To justify things that God is not saying. And ignore things that God is saying. And this is the clincher. Love one another as I have loved you. As I have loved you. Not as you please. As I have loved you. So you must love one another. And then it goes on. This is great. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another how do we love one another to show that we are his disciples in the way that he loved us according to the gospel the true gospel the heart of king xerxes the hard heart of this king is softened as he sees the love that esther has to have people. This is the love of God. The name of God is not mentioned, but the love of God is seen here in his people. And you know you don't have to, it's good to mention the word of God, but you don't have to. We are referred to that song. They're watching you. They're watching you, they're seeing the things you do. If you claim to have Jesus as your savior, if you claim to claim the name Christian, then people will expect you to live by that name that you claim to have. And people will see it. Whether you mention God's name, or not, king saw it being Esther. But it is good to mention God's name, you can The king has already granted Esther their safety. She asked if she could live. And the king says, yeah, you can live. And they are, you mm, live with all this wealth. You know, you won a lottery for a <laughs> very good, King Xerxes replied to Queen Esther and to Mordecai, the Jew, because Haman attacked the Jews. I have given his estate to Esther and they have impaled him on the pole he set up. I've already given you all these things that I've given you. I've already dealt with Haman. I've passed a law for him to be hung on his own gallows. The king might be saying here, What more do you want? What more do you want? But he doesn't. Because we read in verse 8, Now write another decree in the king's name on behalf of the Jews, as seems best to you, and seal it with the king's signet ring. A law document written in the king's name and sealed with his ring can be revoked. The law cannot be changed. But a new law could be written that would supersede the effectiveness of that previous law. Get that? that previous law won't change. It's doom and gloom. And that's a fact. And that's sticking, and there's a day, and there's a marker when that will happen But this other law. It's not going to replace it. It's going to challenge you. It's going to supersede it. Swift acting, actions require. But once the royal... Secretaries were some, the same ones who wrote the previous law, you know, the League of eagles On the 23rd day of the third month, the month of Sivan, they wrote out all Wadikea's orders to the Jews and to the satraps and the governors and the nobles of the 127 provinces stretching out from India to Kush. That's the, the extent of the land. And these orders were written in the script of each province and the language of each people. And also to the Jews in their own script and language. No one is excluded, no excuses. It's going out. And Mordecai I wrote in the name of King Xerxes, sealed the dispatches with the king's ring and sent them by mounted couriers who rode fast horses, especially red for the king. This was their internet. You know, they had a good link. You know, you were really good uh, in those days, they didn't have internet, but those horses were bred specially together, made to be maybe in a battle situation. Maybe when the law was made like this, it needed to happen fast. Why? Because the first one was going to happen at the end of the year. If this one didn't reach the people. And the King's Eden, Granted the Jews in every city the right, and this is it, to assemble and protect themselves, to destroy, kill, and annihilate the armed men of any nationality or province that might attack them and their women and children and to plunder the property of their enemies. The day appointed for the Jews to do this in all the provinces of King Xerxes was the 13th day of the 12th month of the month it at the same day so both these lords would come into permission on the same day. Couriers riding royal horses went out, spurred on by the king's command, and the edict was issued in the citadel of Sinja. The last few verses of this chapter, 15 through to 17, we have a celebration. Celebration, And get this, get this, because there are parallels here with the gospel. A celebration of something that hasn't happened yet. But they believe it is gonna happen, and they believe that God is in control, and they believe that this is their salvation. They're not there yet. Are you in heaven? Not yet. Wherever you're going, you can celebrate now. Do you know that? Do you know this is the Feast of Purim? The Jewish nations still celebrate this. Go and check on Google and have a look at the Jewish calendar and look for the Purim, they'll tell you why they celebrate. And it's people. What he cared at the king's presence. He was wearing royal garments. He'd been with, wearing sackcloth and ashes. He's wearing royal garments, blue and white, and a large crown of gold, and a robe of fine linen, and the city of Susa held a joyous celebration. For the Jews, it was a time of happiness and joy, gladness and honor. Here you go. Christian life, that hasn't yet come to fulfilment, can be a time of joy, and glory, and honour. In every province, in every city to which the edict of the king came, there was joy and gladness among the Jews, with fasting and celebrating, and many people of other nationalities became Jews because fear of the Jews had seized them. You see, people were being drawn to. Why are these people rejoicing? Why are they celebrating? Why, with all this threat hanging over their heads, are they celebrating? Why? Because, because God is in control. And people are seeing that. They're looking at the faith of these people and they think, whoa, hang on, there's something in this here. I think this mic might have just gone, I'm not sure. Is that right? Is the battery gone? Can you still hear me? I'm going to shout anyway, so that you do hear me over the mic while Matthew is changing the battery. The original law set the date for the Jewish people in the land of Persia to be annihilated on the 13th day of the first month. That went out. The original law set the date that the Jewish people in the land of Persia would be annihilated. The day set for the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, same day, last month of the year, that's when the second edict went out. The law that allowed the Jews to defend themselves on that day went out on the twenty-third day of the third month. You know what this means? You know, you've got to look at these dates, they're there for a reason there so that we can look at it, we can relate to them, and we can understand the pain and the heartache and the suffering that God's people were going through at the beginning of that year. They spent at least two months, maybe three months knowing that in the end of that year, in maybe eight, nine months' time, they would be annihilated. The day was coming and this would happen. Little wonder they celebrated. When they heard the news of their salvation, before their full salvation arrived, they had the promise of their salvation. I believe that Mordecai remained humble in the presence of the Lord until this day of rejoicing came. I think he still wore his daily clothes. And then when the evening went out And he knew that God was definitely in control. And salvation was in the wind, it was coming. They had it there, although it hadn't fully arrived. He celebrated. And he went out. And he went out dressed in his uh, real robes. I want to finish with a thought. And and I want that thought to be that we're all involved in life. Every one of us here, you know, was born. And we're all living through life. And there's the truth every one of us is going to die. You know? That's part of life. And in between time, there's a lot of things happening. And most of the happenings are up and down. Sometimes you get seasick, don't you? The movements of life. You're on the mountaintop, you're in the valley, everything's happening, things you don't want to happen, everything's going wrong, now it's all going right. And the Bible tells us this. I'm going to read this passage that you know well. It's a passage of Ecclesiastes, and I'm going to finish with a few comments on it. It's Ecclesiastes 31, verse 8. There's a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to go away. A time to tell and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war. And the time for peace. They are the realities of the life and God is being honest and open to us when he puts these words before us in Book of Ecclesiastes. The twists and turns of life that happened to us all. The twists and turns of life have been happening to Mordecai and Esther. My question was would they stay faithful now that they had everything if they had their life would they still have a concern for others who needed God? The book of Esther, God's people, were on the move. And you know where they were on the move from and to? They were on the move from doom <clears> to <throat> yeah. deliverance. On the move from doom to deliverance what about us this morning how are we moving really through life you know god's word tell us that we we go through all those things that ecclesiastes tell us but the truth is and this is the truth that god wants us to know from his word we are moving from doom to deliverance the doom is that one baby will face God in God's wrath. What about the deliverance? The deliverance came when Jesus became a baby in a manger. Became the man who was God and what this said and demonstrated by the things he did that told us who he was. But he was killed. And you know that death that he died was the reason he came. And that was to deliver you and I from doom to deliverance. I want to think about these things. I'm just going to close with a word from Paul. It's Romans 5 verse 8. You'll know it the well. There's other verses here. We've got a little gospel road. We can go through that. But I'm just going to give you one word. One one verse. I don't want you to think about it seriously. We've seen about the love that Esther had for her people to deliver them from doom to deliverance. Romans 5, verse 8 also. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ. book, Glory to Glory, that we're looking at as a church. What we're doing as a church, we're going through that book. Each day leads us a day nearer to the cross. And we're sharing those thoughts as a church. From Glory to Glory, what does that mean? It means that Jesus, who is God, left that glory and then came to the glory of the cross. That's it. That's Easter. That's God's glory. His glorious love for you.